Welcome back to the Superflex Super Show. It's week eight of the NFL and the fantasy season. It's your Superflex SOPs. I am John Hogue at Superflex Dude on Twitter. Joined by, man, this is a first time and uh, might just be a last time. We'll see. We'll see how this goes, man. Uh, but I'm going one on one with the Stompster at FF Stompy, Sam Lane joining me for the SOPs this week. So uh, we'll see, man. We'll see how, (laughs) if you're just going to troll me this entire time, or if we can, uh, if we can put our differences on things like Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, we can put all that aside and and put out some uh, actionable advice for the people this week. Hold on. So you act like you have more power than me in this. <laughs> I am now taking this over this. Uh, this is my show now. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see if you're going to survive the night. We'll see, man. I've been deadly accurate on these. So for, for several weeks now. So you, you haven't been good. You haven't been accurate on QBs all season though. So I have, I mean, the, mm. the off season going into the season, it, it, whatever it's a different thing (laughs) it's a different thing once we've got into the season and your roster is what it is i've i've actually been pretty damn good and by the way we did the uh the ff mercs live show on sunday morning and kind of killed that as well uh some of the names that we gave out included chase Edmonds, zach pascal so we uh I, I I know what I'm doing in season. Sometimes kind of, it's a matter maybe, of getting there. Bit. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's you're you're iffy at best. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, anyway, speaking of uh, of the crossroads that we've just come to here, uh, I want to tell you about another DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed podcast uh, that you can get by subscribing to that Mega Feed. Uh, along with the Superflex Super Show, you can also get access to all of the episodes of the Dynasty Crossroads. It's a podcast where Peter Howard and Jake Anderson discuss Dynasty player values from both a film and analytical perspective, helping you make your final analysis on that given player. Peter breaks down the the statistics in the analysis behind it. Jake grinds a tape. Uh, two of the absolute best in the industry. And uh, just... It, Two of my personal favorite people, but uh, it's a it's a great podcast attacking player values from both perspectives, from multiple fronts, and uh, one of many many great podcasts that you can get by sim- simply subscribing to the DLF family of podcasts mega feed. On to the SOPs, and uh, we've got a pretty fertile group here of. Uh, uh, on on waivers, I think, um, I, I, at least uh, at least for a week, at least for now. I mean, we got we had a couple quarterbacks go down, uh, a lot changing in uh, a few backfields. So we're just going to attack this the way we normally do. Uh, which I'm gonna, I'll give you a list here of uh, of players and and maybe just a kind of a quick rationale for why we've got them on the list, and then. I'm curious, first of all, who are going to be your top priorities in a super flex league, uh, both redraft and dynasty, and then uh, also some some fab values for some of these guys. So uh, let's uh, let's let's 
let's put this uh, to the test here. Your your hubris that you've got going, um, because I'm I I've got some pretty strong opinions on a few of these guys, and I want to see how we match up. So, first of all, Matt Moore. Uh, so the real quick, these quarterbacks. I'm not going to give you ownership percentage. We go off of Yahoo. But uh, even in super flex leagues, Yahoo's quarterback ownership is way, way too depressed. Um, so, you know, Matt Moore here is going to be our first guy, probably 0% owned in most Yahoo leagues, particularly redraft. And, uh, you know, that I don't think that's an accurate representation of typical super flex leagues. But, so Matt Moore is the first one, the backup to Pat Mahomes, who had that dislocated kneecap on Thursday night. It sounded like, I mean, the, the possibilities ranged from miss the entire season with surgery to, you know, three weeks recovery time and then play with a brace. And now they're talking about maybe he's week to week already. So Matt Moore probably starts this week for Kansas City. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, we're right back to it, it could be right back to Pat Mahomes already. We've got Chase Edmonds coming off that three touchdown day. All of them were from distance. We found out afterwards that David Johnson was kind of a break the glass type of back for them. Um, he, he really shouldn't have even been active, but whatever. Um, but Chase Edmonds ended up being the feature back and absolutely shined in that role. Alan Lazard. Uh, even with both uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and uh, Geronimo Allison being active, Alan Lazard still out-targeted both of them for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Kiki QT, um, and we also have uh, Kenny Stills on here. Uh, QT is at 22% owned. Kenny Stills at 13% owned. Will Fuller goes down with a hamstring injury, and it looks like he's going to miss pretty significant time. Um, it, that was that's a, a just a, a scheduled announcement, by the way. That was that was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, Darren Fells, uh, tight end for the Texans, who has been kind of a it's been kind of a two headed monster with him and Jordan Aikens. Uh, Preston Williams, who ended up being the top wide receiver. Um, in terms of uh, both catches and yards for the Miami Dolphins against a very good uh, Buffalo Bills defense. Matt Schaub, um, Matt Ryan with a nasty-looking ankle injury, um, very likely is going to miss some time. Matt Schaub steps in as the backup. Mark Walton at 20% owned and Kalen Bellage at 9% owned. Uh, that turns into it, it at the moment. It's a three. It's a three-way committee for the Miami Dolphins running back situation. Trade deadlines looming. Is Kenyon Drake still going to be around? Uh, Alex Erickson, um, who uh, actually outperformed Tyler Boyd as the slot receiver for the Bengals this week. Uh, Zach Pascal, as we mentioned. Um, uh, ended up being the number two wide receiver for the Colts. Uh, Ola BC Johnson, <laughs> you changed his name on, on the show. She, I love calling him BZ. Yeah, because you called him BZ, and I didn't know what you were doing. I was like, well, yeah. well, John's an idiot. <laughs> BZ Johnson, uh, who 
who, first of all, has kind of stepped into that third wide receiver role for the Vikings. And now Adam Thielen went out with an injury and there's an opportunity for Beasy to take on an even bigger role. Beasy, Beasy, Beasy. Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. Carry uh, on Johnson left the Lions game with an injury. Looks like he'll miss several weeks. Um, and uh, Ty Johnson ended up being kind of the workhorse guy. Uh, J.D. McKissick still in the, the pass catching role. Uh, but both of them look for look like they're going to get an uptick in volume. Uh, Jay Ajayi working out for the Cardinals, uh, and he's probably going to have several other workouts this week um, as he's finally ready to return to action off of that ACL injury. A free agent open for uh, whoever needs him. And then Josh Oliver, tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um who it it seems like he's kind of stepped into that James O'Shaughnessy red zone target role. And uh, they're, I'll I'll get your thoughts on him, but uh, there might be even, even more volume available to him. So there's a list of guys. And while I catch my breath, um, tell us who, uh, who's going to be your top ad this week. Uh, I think it's super flex. It's definitely got to be Matt Moore. Um. And it's tough. I mean, he could play upwards of three weeks. He could play one week. I, I, I guess I don't really know where we're at there. Um, and, and, it, and it really depends on how Mahomes is feeling. I would not be surprised if they did keep him out all three weeks. I think this offense is good enough, even with more and with all the weapons that they can beat. Um, and, and they honestly have a difficult schedule coming up. I mean, they have the Packers next week. Um, they have the Vikings, the following, and then so that, that it's Packers long on a long week, the Vikings, the following week, and then the Titans, if it was easier, if it was an easier schedule, I definitely could see them sit or, um, uh, sitting Patrick Mahomes, keeping them out three weeks, but. And, and then the other aspect of this is that the AFC West is just abysmal right now. I think the three teams behind the Packers all have two wins. I believe that's right. Oh, no, no. Sorry, the Raiders have three. Yeah. Raiders are uh, three and three right now. But nobody's catching the, the Chiefs this year. Even if you sit out Mahomes for three weeks and they go, let's say, one and two, nobody's catching them this year right. um, from the AFC West. So it just wouldn't. It would not heed the the Chiefs to keep or to try and push Mahomes, especially with how young he is and how much of a future he has. So I think I think you have to um, pick up more. He's got to be the top waiver priority, but I'm not spending a ton on him. I would say 25% max for me um, just because uh, regardless, he's not going to be in the entire season. He's going to be there for two, maybe three weeks, or one to three weeks, and and then he's done after that. Um, so I would I would think he's probably top priority. Closely behind him is Chase Edmonds for me. Um, we saw what Chase Edmonds can do uh, this this past week, and he's actually been decent all season. And with the Cardinals bringing in both Spencer Ware and Jay Ajahi to work out, that tells me that. Things are a little bit more serious for David Johnson um, than we initially thought. And that means that Chase Edmonds could be in there for uh, several weeks as the RB1 
Um, and, and we know that's an extremely valuable position for the Arizona Cardinals. So with, with Edmonds, just because of the handcuff, um, because he is a handcuff in a major for a major role and he could have a major role coming up in these next few weeks, I would, I would say spending 30 to 40% is not out of the realm of possibility for me. Yeah, I, I think you're probably going to have to after the game he just had. Right. Uh, other than that, I mean, then it's down to – I mean, it depends on what, what happens with Matt Ryan here, but Matt Schaub's got to be up there in terms of your priorities. Um, he's much like Matt Moore in that – I mean, he could say play a, a couple weeks. I would say 20 – again, probably max 25% for Matt Schaub as well. Um, and then you get down to the the Texans pass catchers for me and which ones you think are going to be most valuable. I personally think it's going to be Kiki Kuti, but Kenny Stills inherits probably that uh, Will Fuller role, and he had 105 yards on five targets last week. Um, so that could end up being extremely valuable. Uh, and each- and that's, that's the thing for me. I mean, I, I don't feel like Kuti's – role necessarily changes you know with wolf will fuller out i mean no but with i guess my thing with kuti is i it felt like they were easing him back in because um he he missed week three uh he only had four targets in week four and i would have to look at snap shares here um but over the past few weeks he's been much more involved and we saw what Kuti was last season even when Fuller was in there um so yeah i mean he had his most snaps played last week of course Kenny Stills played 94% so maybe maybe Stills is the more valuable because he is the home run hitter in that Will Fuller role uh so i would i would say in a high powered offense like the Texans have or can have uh, that you probably want to spend 20 ish percent on Kenny stills. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe 30% because that is an extra. We, we, we've seen how valuable that role can be uh, for the Texans. Um, after that, Ty Johnson, definitely. Cause we don't necessarily know where, uh, or how long Carrion's going to be out? He w- he went in for an MRI. They're wait. All, all we've heard is anecdotally, he's going to miss some time, and I we don't know what that means. But Ty Johnson, like you said, um, played in. I believe he 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 inherited the most snaps last uh, or this week. Uh, he played in sixty four percent of the offensive snaps. McKissick played in nineteen. I, I agree that I think McKissick will get an uptick in, in touches here, but Ty Johnson seems to take on that carry on Johnson role. And if it, if it's there for three weeks, I mean, I'm probably spending near what I would spend on chase Edmonds as well. Probably 30 ish percent here just because he is a running back. And apparently he is in a relatively valuable handcuff role. Um, some of the rest of these, I Mark Walton maybe a little bit. I, I mean, I'm not. Pro, I'm probably not spending more than ten percent on Mark Walton just because it is Miami, and I don't really trust that backfield um, whatsoever. But Mark Walton played in fifty-two percent. 
of the snaps last week, played more than Kenyon Drake. Um, so he seems to they they seem to be looking at Mark Walton pretty hard right now. So, uh, but I would still only spend ten percent because that Miami Dolphins line is absolutely abysmal. Um, Preston Williams, I don't know how he's not owned in more than I know percent at this point. Yeah, because yeah. he is there. I mean, yeah, Parker's there, but Preston Williams played ninety percent of the snaps last week. He played eighty-eight percent the previous week. He is at at the very least the wide receiver two there, if not the wide receiver three. Or, or, sorry, wide receiver uh, one. And he was very um, successful early on. Kind of took a dip uh, for a couple weeks there in week four and six. But then in week seven, he came back out, caught six of eight targets for 82 yards. Um, so he see, he's getting looks. And he's getting looks in a bad offense is, is the big thing here. So imagine what he could be with a, in, a, in a even just relatively decent offense. So I think, I mean, he he's a good bye week fill-in. And then, yeah, I mean, if if you have a keeper league, he's a good stash. I mean, obviously with Dynasty, he should be owned and a lot more. But Preston Williams is, is not bad to have on your roster right now. And I think with, with in, in the case of both, you know, the, the, the Dolphins players, essentially. So... Preston Williams, Mark Walton, and to a far lesser extent, Kalen Balaj. This is a little bit anticipatory with the trade deadline looming. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, I think Kenyon Drake is a is a very good candidate to to be moved, and I, I think Devontae Parker could be another guy who's on the move as well. Um, it, it, you know, he he's definitely inflated his value to a point where they could actually get a little bit of a return for him. Uh, I believe he's going into a walk year. I mean, this is kind of your last chance to get anything mm-hmm. for him, but there's no real reason to sign him long-term beyond this year. And especially with the emergence of Preston Williams, you know, I think that, it, you know, Williams kind of resets the clock that you had with Devonte Parker. And now you've got, you know, you, you've got your young number one wide receiver, on still on you know as a rookie so still on his rookie deal i i don't i don't see any reason to hang on to Devonte parker so I, again this is a little bit of just kind of an anticipation that you know it there there could be some significant work open up for preston williams for mark walton kind of for caitlin balage um but yeah, I mean, beyond that, there there just needs to be a market correction here. Twelve percent ownership for Preston Williams in Yahoo leagues, and that I mean, that's generally that's that's typically more redraft. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's way too low, man. Right. I mean, and he's got he's got four double digit fantasy games out of six. Yeah. And while they, while he's not like scoring. A bunches it he's still very he's been startable in really five of uh five of six games um so he should be owned in a lot more leagues i think people are probably holding on to players that had like an explosive game and we'll talk about some here in a little bit and they're hoping for that again but with Preston williams you, i mean you need those kind of players on your team. You're not going to get wide receiver three plus numbers 
from every wide receiver. You need a wide receiver four or wide receiver five. Right now, Preston Williams, I believe, is he is a wide receiver 61. But he's still giving you double-digit fantasy points, and that's very valuable. He's also doing it with both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Right. That's that's another thing to to keep in mind here. That that volatility at the quarterback position might not go away. And the fact that he's that he's overcoming that, that he's you know performing in spite of that. So I mean we're we're on that hold on on that that last point, just mm-hmm. the Rosen versus Fitzpatrick. His two lowest Preston Williams, two lowest games were with Rosen as the starter. So that's pretty funny. If if Fitzpatrick oh. continues to be the starter, I, I would think that Preston Williams continues to garner a significant amount of targets and, and does well. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. That's an, that's so annoying. This season is so annoying to me. I hear you. I hear because you. Josh Rosen is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But well, I don't I don't know if I necessarily I don't know if I, I necessarily I agree <laughs> with it. No, just in terms of where they're at in their careers, I think they're that Rosen I mean, they need to give Rosen a chance. Yeah, and and he can develop into a better quarterback than um, Fitzpatrick. He just, I think he's just gotten such a bad, bad, um, I guess roll roll of the dice here. So, yeah. Um, some of these other ones, I'm not really interested in Alex Erickson. I get it; he had an explosive game, but with with Boyd. And Boyd was shut down until the end of the game, and Tate there. I, I just I'm not interested in Erickson. Um, Fells I think is is a good add. I mean, he continues to get targets. He he's a favorite red zone target for, or one of a one of the favorite red zone targets for Dejon Watson. Before last week, he was tied, or this week he was tied for red zone targets. He was also tied for touchdowns um, for for Houston. Um, Alan Lazard, I'm good. I mean, Devontae, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. Devontae Adams is back and he, he goes back to the wide receiver four or, or, or less role. And it's just like, I, I mean, wonder about that part, I guess. Well, I mean, where do you think he slots in? Because MVS is the wide receiver two right now. And then Geronimo Allison plays from the slot. Now I could see Lazard playing from the slot. Um, that's and and that's that's I think where the where the angle is. Now I don't know if that necessarily makes sense. But I mean, yeah, a, kind of a rotation of you know Adams, MVS, and Lazard, kind of moving around the formation. Um, all of those guys can line up in the slot, and you you just kind of move them around and and exploit matchups. To to me, that makes more sense than continuing to rubber stamp Geronimo Allison as your slot receiver when. I mean, clearly they they're not really going to use it. He he ends up being a red zone threat for them, but uh, you know, and, and MVS kind of ends up being the more of a deep threat type of guy. But I mean, as as far as you know, pure volume and moving the chains, it's it's Adams and I mean Lazard has kind of stepped up as being you know one of their their high volume type of guy with Adams out. And that's fair enough. I'm and really, if you don't have to spend a lot on Lazard, and maybe maybe he his value will be depressed a bit with Adams looming. I mean, spending five percent is not going to bankrupt you by any means. So adding a guy like Lazard is definitely not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Zach Pascal, here's my word with Zach Pascal. Yes, he has been the wide receiver too for all intents and, pur- intents and purposes, but he and Chester Rogers have the same number of snaps. Chester Rogers actually outsnapped him last week. Um, and it kind of goes back and forth. And I'm just I'm concerned if he can maintain some of these numbers. I mean, obviously 106 and two touchdowns. Can't really expect that every week, but even like four, four of seven for 72, two of three of 53, he's been in those big games. He's been extremely efficient, but then he has that game that dud against Kansas city only had two targets. That's my concern here. But like I said, if you're only spending 5% of your budget, it's not a bad ad, especially for the back end, back end of your rosters. Um, Ola BC Johnson, I think is more of a, Easy. <laughs> I think he's more. I mean, maybe maybe you spend a dollar on him. Maybe you spend one percent because it sounds like Adam Thielen's hamstring isn't that big of an issue. And that I mean, you want to talk about target uh, a a uh, funneled offense? That offense is is probably the most funneled in the league in terms of you have basically three pass catchers you can trust. Um, so that one's a little rough for me. So, I mean, maybe I, I, I probably wouldn't be spending it personally, wouldn't be spending anything on him. But if he's a free agent, not a bad ad. Um, and then finally, the last two we mentioned Jay Ajahi and Josh Oliver. More, those are more future stashes. Like, what if something happened? What, what if Jay Ajahi does find a team here and takes on a role? Um, let's just say he goes back to Miami. That'd be hilarious to me. <laughs> um, but let's let's say he does find his way on t- into Arizona. I think Edmonds takes over, but we've seen Edmonds has when J- David Johnson is playing. Edmonds still has a role, and so Jay, so can Jay Ajahi. I mean, he's so I, w- we'll see what happens there. And then Josh Oliver, uh, you mentioned James O'Shaughnessy, and that's kind of. I mean, I envision. I, Josh Oliver's more athletic than James yep. O'Shaughnessy, but um, O'Shaughnessy had a pretty significant role there for four weeks. Uh, he, had, he got three touchdowns. Oh, that is not the right person. So, yeah, I mean, he had three or more targets in every game. Um, he had two touchdowns. Uh, and, and with, I mean, if you were waiting on tight end this season and um, you 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 have a, or you were disappointed, let's say, with OJ Howard, and you picked up James O'Shaughnessy. He wasn't bad. He was involved, and like I said, Josh Oliver. That seemed to be the role that they want Josh Oliver to be in as that move tight end. And to, I mean, it, beyond beyond Shark and Westbrook and and now Fournette, who's who's catching the ball there? I mean, Keelan Cole caught caught his uh, second target of the season for a touchdown last week. But other than that, you're not really trusting anybody else, right? And we know that John DeFilippo works in an offense that – or has worked in an offense is, it, with foals that targets tight ends. I mean, mind you, it was Zach Ertz. But, I mean, it's still there. And if Foles comes back – um after his stint on the IR, 
he Josh Oliver could be a valuable um, stash and he could pick up and be, be a decent tight end the rest of the season. Cool. So I think we're at a, a point in the season here where it's hard to prioritize all of these guys, just kind of, you know, just throw them all together and prioritize them because at this point in the season, you kind of have some pretty specific needs. You know, you're, you're not just trying to rebuild the entire roster or even, even the bench of your roster. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's a little bit more specific. So we kind of went person by person here um, and gave some fab, but I guess I'm curious. I think that we could kind of organize these guys by position a little bit. And I think that that's going to actually be more useful to a lot of people because for me, you know, if, if you need a quarterback, you know, Pat Mahomes goes down. Now we've got Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott on by uh, Matt Ryan out with an injury as well. That's there are four guys that are, you know, who have been major contributors for some of the top teams in fantasy. There's a there's a good chance that you need either Matt Moore or Matt Schaub, you know, so so that's where I agree with you on prioritizing those guys. But if, if you don't necessarily need them, I mean, if you took the approach of quarterback heavy in your startup draft or in your, your uh, redraft, um, your draft, then, you know, or, or if you've been working the waiver wire, you've been keeping up with the super flex SOPs and going and getting these quarterbacks, um, you know, while they're relatively cheap, you, you might not necessarily need Matt Moore, or Matt Schaub. And that's where, uh, for, for me, the top, my top priorities are going to end up being the running backs. And I think I would probably put them. Um, I, I think, Ch- I, yeah, I think you're right. I think Chase Edmonds is the top guy. I mean, it feels a little hard to trust, uh, with, you know, we, we have absolutely no insight into David Johnson's health. Um, but I think that that Chase Edmonds could have standalone value even when David Johnson does get healthy. Um, I, you know, Ty Johnson has just such a nice schedule going forward. The only problem is we have no idea how long does he own that role. And when does carry on Johnson get back? Like you said, but in the meantime, I mean, looking at this schedule, their toughest matchup, um, you know, prior to the fantasy playoffs is Dallas or Oakland, actually Oakland, who's 14th worst against uh, uh, fantasy running backs. Um, And then Mark Walton. And again, to me, a big part of this depends on Kenyon Drake actually getting traded. I don't have much of an interest in that backfield if it's going to be a three-headed monster. But if you get you take one of those guys out, Kalen Balaj can be the goal line back. I'm fine with that. If Mark Walton is getting the majority of the workload, then I I'm still willing to go, you know, 30, 35 percent of my of my budget to get Mark Walton. But uh, the that's the tough part is it is kind of speculatory right now and then jay ajayi kind of belongs in next week this week which we're going to get to later the problem is we've kind of been resisting the urge to do that all season and now there's a good chance that you know that he ends up on a team this week like there's a good chance that he ends up signing a, a contract 
And there's even a chance that that happens before your waiver run. And so, you know, your opportunity to buy low has already passed. Um, so, and then the wide receiver position, I, at least for me, it go, it kind of goes Preston Williams is, is by far the number one, um, probably Kenny Stills, then Alan Lazard. Um, and, and I guess at Kiki QT, I guess I'll put ahead of Alan Lazard, but, and then, yeah, the the rest of those guys, I, I'm to me, they're worth a claim. I guess I'm kind of curious for you. How many of these guys are you actually going to put a claim on them if it's a a, a position of need for you? Um, so I guess uh, by organizing them by position from there, how many of these guys are you actually going to put any kind of money on? And how many of them are you going to say, if I don't get him, this player, I don't I don't. You know, I'm, I'm like you said, you're, you're good with, without Alan Lazard. I mean, I'm sure there are a handful of these guys who kind of fit that same criteria. Yeah. I, so I think you, you hit it for me. It's Edmonds and Ty Johnson. I don't, I'm not really, I mean, I guess Walton, but really I think there's, whatever you have generally on your bench, you're probably going to be better off. So I would say that two of the running backs, so Edmonds and, and Ty Johnson, um, I agree with your top three wide receivers there. So I think it's Preston Williams. It actually might be, I might flip Kenny Stills and Preston Williams just because if Kenny Stills inherits that role, that, that Will Fuller role, it's, a, it's I think, more valuable than what Preston Williams can get. And then Kiki Kuti, um, I would be putting a claim in on Darren Fells uh, if I needed help at tight end, um, just because he's been involved and it doesn't look like he's it's slowing down. And then on Moore and Schaub, it's just one of those, if you're desperate at QB, which at this point you may be because of all of the injuries, then I think you have to put claims on more in shop because they're probably starting at least one week. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's probably what two, two, three, one. So eight, eight of these players that we mentioned. And then yeah. I think Josh, Josh Oliver at this point, I think is probably just a free agent pickup. Um, I think a couple of these guys probably are. So, and by the way, Matt Schaub gets uh, Seattle this week, assuming these end up being one week rentals, which um, Matt Schaub almost assuredly is. That's, I think that's the main reason that you put him below Matt Moore, um, which, which I agree with, even though Matt Schaub has a better matchup this week against Seattle, then they go into the bye, and then you probably have Matt Ryan back. Uh, Meanwhile, Matt Moore is going to, and you mentioned it earlier, but he gets Green Bay. Um, that's a tough matchup. Um, and then Minnesota and then Tennessee. So, you know, the next, even if he had the job for the next three weeks, those are tough matchups. Um, so I, I'm still prioritizing him over Schaub just because there's a better chance that you actually get your money's worth out of him as, as far as, you know, at least being startable. Um, but whereas Shab, I mean, pretty much goes back to waivers after this week. Uh, but 
I'm I'm still not going to prioritize Matt Moore all that high. And we gave him as a next week this week. Uh, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before. Um, but, you know, just based on the, the idea that, you know, if Pat Mahomes were to go down, it's such a great situation. But these matchups are a little bit rough. Pat Mahomes is on the fast track to coming back. Um, I, I don't know if, if you have to have, you know, again, if you're, if you're short on quarterbacks to a point where you're looking at, you know, kind of low end flex guys at your super flex position, I think that you go after Matt Moore and you do it aggressively. Um, but if, if you've got enough, if you've got the quarterbacks to get through this week, then I, or get through the next couple weeks, um, then I'm staying away from Matt Moore and letting somebody else spend on him. Yeah, I get that. I, I also, it's funny, especially in like deep leagues. I mean, if you have like 30 man rosters, I get bidding, especially on Matt Moore, just to have that to, to deprive people to maybe use it as a trade chip, but that's more in dynasty than anything. Uh, in terms of, um, in terms of redraft, I just, like I said, I think max 25%. If you're like desperate, let's just say for some reason you only have two QBs. One of them was Mahomes. Maybe you do spend relatively high on Matt Moore to get through these next couple of weeks. Yeah. And that, but that's probably the only time that I'm doing that. Or if, if you have another injury, let's say you have Matt Ryan, I would rather have Matt Moore than Matt Schaub. Um, and there's, I'm sure there's other instances of it. I would probably want Matt Moore over somebody like Joe Flacco, uh, over over Andy Dalton, stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so I mean, I think that that 25 percent that you're talking about, that's probably what it's going to take to get Matt Moore, and that's fair. I mean, he's still going to be a a startable quarterback for you as long as he's got that job. So. Uh, I, I think that there's going to be somebody in that situation that's going to have to spend on him. So I guess, I guess just to kind of refine my point a little bit so that we can move on is if you're, if you're good at quarterback, I don't, I would not spend the 25% on Matt Moore just in hopes of, you know, holding him for ransom against those quarterback needy teams. Just let him go, let them, get him because i mean this is still just a short-term proposition whereas in the long term you're still going to need that fab for running backs so uh that being said and that's that's always the part of this that we spend the most time on it and it stands to reason i mean this is a a big part of in-season uh super flex roster management is the waiver wire so uh, but we can move on to uh, some of the other SOPs here, starting with players that you that are droppable or at least might be droppable. If you're trying to make some room on the end of your bench and it's not blatantly obvious who those guys are in a redraft league, if you still have Will Disley, you know, that's a pretty easy drop. Uh, but, you know, in, in dynasty leagues and, uh, you know, and in shallower redraft leagues where it's going to be a little bit tougher, we like to go through just a couple of players um, that we think could be droppable. And I'm going to start with a question for you, because the only one that I really came up with 
and and I'm not totally sold on this. I, I more wanted to get your opinion than, you know, force my opinion on onto you for once. AJ Green, I'm I'm getting I'm just getting tired of waiting, you know, and we keep hearing, you know, more more setbacks. Meanwhile, this team is going nowhere. This offense is dreadful. The defense can't stop anybody. I, they're still winless, right? They're, I mean, we're, it's, it's officially a lost season at this point for the Cincinnati Bengals. They have absolutely no motivation to rush AJ Green back. And that scares me. At this point in a redraft league, I'm feeling like it might be time to just, and it sucks to have waited seven weeks, but I'm, I'm about ready to drop AJ Green and you know start opening up roster space for these guys who are actually going to be available yeah i i think you actually worded it probably incorrectly there there's no motivation for aj green to rush back well that too yeah uh he's seen guys like julio jones get monster contracts and i'm sure that there's something in the back of his head um, maybe not even the back of his head and in, in the forefront of his head that says, listen, we're owing what are they owing seven right now? Yeah. Yep. They're owing seven right now. There's no reason for AJ Green to go out there to rush back to go out there and uh throw his 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 body on the line for what he feels is less than he's worth, especially in a losing season. Um so I think that's that's more prominent than anything else here. The uh, the the only other the one the thing that makes me hesitate is AJ Green when he's on the field has been dominant and it's not like I mean it's not like he's fallen off at any point. I mean just last season he had 694 yards in nine in nine games. He had six touchdowns in nine games. He was well on pace to break double-digit touchdowns in a thousand yards again. He just seems to be injured, and that's the only issue here. So he's he dominates on on a week-to-week basis. It's just uh, he has no incentive to rush himself back or to put himself out there for a losing team for less money than he feels he deserves. So uh, for shallow benches, I probably, honestly, I would probably drop him for somebody like Preston Williams, for somebody like Kenny Stills, for Chase Edmonds, for Ty Johnson at this point. Yes. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's that's only in the shallowest of redraft leagues at this point, but um, right. Yeah. This is like, this is like 16, player rosters yeah yeah which that it definitely happens so so yeah i i i think that's kind of what i was looking for um it it certainly wasn't permission to just drop him outright in a in a deep dynasty league i i don't think we're anywhere close to that point um but yeah just just the fact that there are situations where it, you're tired of waiting too. So um, you've got a couple names for us. So uh, so let's hear your guys that you would clear out to make some roster space. 
I, I think my first one is a question as well. Um, and it's Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. The reason I put him on there is his first two weeks were fantastic. Um, but since he has definitely not lived up to the hype and now he's missed two weeks. Um, the only, the hesitation here is that he had nine, seven and five targets the last three, the, the three weeks he played. So it's hard. Like he's getting target shares, but it's a, I don't know how good of a tar, like how quality it is. And, and, People will take this as me bashing Lamar Jackson. I'm not doing that, <laughs> but you it's can't. a it's a run heavy team. You're not allowed to say anything bad, remotely bad, about Lamar Jackson, um, by the way, or anything good about Josh Allen. So Baltimore <laughs> is throwing the ball only 48 percent of the time. They have the third lowest pass to run ratio. So I mean, and and we know what type of team they this is. I mean, Lamar Jackson only threw for 143 yards last week. Mind you, he had 24 fantasy points. So relax, people. And I'm pretty sure that the number one target for this team is Mark Andrews, and then everything else is kind of blah um, the rest of the way. And if just looking at the strength of schedule here for the rest of the season, Baltimore receivers have the 20, 21st um, ranked strength of schedule for wide receivers. Uh, after So they have bye week next week. They face New England the following week, which is awful. Um, Cincinnati, not bad. Houston, not bad. The Rams, now that they have Jalen Ramsey, that's rough. San Francisco, Buffalo. The Jets have a decent secondary. Um, Cleveland has a good secondary. Pittsburgh doesn't. So they have a lot of rough matchups. And while while Lamar Jackson's legs definitely open things up, it's just that doesn't help. Yeah, Hollywood. It, yeah, it doesn't. Well, I mean, it opened things up in that like people have to worry about Lamar Jackson. But I don't. I think they're going to be running a lot more than passing the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So I think. <sighs> Even even with the target share that he's seen in the games he's played, I just I think at this point it's going to be a little bit rough sledding for him. Uh, so I think he might be a dr- droppable at this point. I don't know what you think here. Yeah, I think so. I I mean this is definitely a time of year to you know to to be to be aggressive with, with stuff like this, you know, don't, don't hold on too much to the past and, you know, follow the trends. And if the trend is that, you know, he's, he's getting fewer quality targets, then, you know, now's, now's the time. I mean, obviously with these drops, the first move is to, to shop these guys. If you can get anything in return, you're doing it. But, uh, you know, beyond that in redraft leagues in particular, you know, these guys who are kind of clogging up your bench and they're not guys that you're ever going to feel comfortable putting in your starting lineup, get rid of them. So, yeah, and I think we're kind of to that point. This schedule is, like you said, it's, it's getting a lot tougher than it has been for the Ravens just in general. Well, and, and now that I think about it, now that I'm looking at it, if somebody is, is relatively high on Hollywood right now, Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a he's a sell. Um, 
But yeah, if you can't if you can't get even a nibble on him, I, I think he's probably droppable. Like I like I said, I mean, with Preston Williams there, with Kenny Stills, with the two running backs, he might be droppable at this point. Because I, I think that's what I'm comparing to here is would I drop one of these players for somebody on the uh, ads list? And I, I absolutely would. Yeah. Uh, the next one is T.J. Hawkinson. Started off fantastic, over 100 yards in week one since. Uh, and I'm looking this up as we speak. Um, he has some decent target shares, I guess. he had. He's had five and six targets the last two weeks, but he just hasn't done anything with them. He did have one touchdown against Kansas City, but – but he's a rookie tight end, and and this is this probably goes for Noah Fonts as well. And I don't know if you've had Noah Fonts on this list, but he's probably droppable at this point. I mean, he yeah, he almost made this list, but um, well, I'll add him to this list. We might as well, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing with Hawkinson. There's and and in fact, at this point in redraft league, I think Fant is is more droppable than Hawkinson. I mean, Hawkinson at least is getting red zone targets. Yeah. He he's, you know, he's he's got a lot better QB. He's yeah. Got a lot better team, a lot better offense. Yeah. And now with the loss of carry on Johnson, I mean the yeah. the the red zone work gets even more consolidated to the passing game. Um, so you know, I yeah. I the Hawkinson has has been victimized by by a lot of pass interference. Uh and uh um or, or not passing but like holding calls uh, a lot of offensive penalties that's what i'm looking for um have have negated some of his his bigger plays so you know well it, it i think he's still droppable that's not the type of stuff that you want to chase you know you don't want your fantasy day hinging on whether or not the the detroit offensive line can you know, allow him to catch a touchdown pass without holding. And that's, that's the difference between zero points and seven points. I, you know, that's not something that I'm willing to chase, but I think that there are some, some peripheral indicators for TJ Hawkinson that are more favorable than Noah Fant at this point. And that hurts for me to say, because that's another one that Noah Fant was one that I was pretty high on, but he cannot catch the ball. Hawkinson can catch the ball. He's just, it, he he just has, you know, ulterior forces working against him. But yeah, it, it, at this point, both of those guys are probably droppable. Um, in in redraft leagues, particularly more shallow ones. I wouldn't even say more shallow. I just the, there's a I, lot better options out there. I mean, I would much rather have. Darren Fells than either of these two right now. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Fells, he still only got what two targets. I mean, he caught them both, but I, I mean, you know, again, and we talked about this on Sunday morning, Jordan Aikens is still there. And, and to me that that's just a, it's a two headed monster and neither of them is going to allow the other one to really, yeah, but I mean, at the very least, Fells has the three touchdowns. He's got that six-target game, the seven-target game. He's involved mm-hmm. basically every week outside of the um, one or two 
uh, games here and there. I, I'm just saying, like, Fells, we know, is the red zone target or a, a major red zone target for for a high-powered Houston offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily feel the same way about Hawkinson or Fance in terms of how my trust of them. Yeah. Um, and, and there's there, I mean, there's other guys I, I would rather have at this point, um, as well, though. I mean, TJ Hawkinson is still the tight end 14, but I mean, Gerald Everett's climbing up there. Um, Dallas Goddard has started to get more and more involved over the past couple weeks. I'd far prefer Gerald Everett or Dallas Goddard over either one of these guys. Yeah. So, so it, it's just one of those things where it's like, these guys are names right now, and that's about it. Now, yeah. I, like I think they ac- absolutely have promising careers ahead of them. I just they're rookie tight ends, in one in a bad offense, one in an offense that is more balanced. But he's got at least two guys that garner a majority of the the targets. So they're not in ideal situations right now, and they're rookie tight ends. It's just one of those things where it's like, especially in redraft, you don't need to be holding on to rookie tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. It, it's it's less about dropping these guys for somebody else. Uh, although, again, if Gerald Everett is available, if Dallas Goddard is available, those are moves that I would make. But more than anything, it's, Number one in a redraft league, don't carry more than one tight end unless, you know, you've got those higher end guys who are actually going to be flex worthy. Uh, And, you know, number two, just commit to streaming because the streaming field is far superior to either one of those guys at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a valid strategy. Um, I wouldn't drop them for just anyone, um, but I, I would drop them for essentially everyone, I guess is the way to say it here. Uh, like I said, just commit to streaming. If you're relying on one of those, either of those guys as your starting tight end, just commit to a streaming approach. Uh, let's uh, let's get to the buys, though. Some guys that we're going to try and buy low on. And uh, speaking of the tight end position, I'll just start there because the first guy for me is George Kittle. Um, coming off an atrocious game, just kind of for everybody, um, including those of us who actually took some time to watch some of it in a nine to nothing win by San Francisco over Washington, which should have been a good matchup for for Kittle for the entire uh, San Francisco offense. Matt Breda goes out with a concussion, I believe. Um, so you know, which should have meant even more volume for George Kittle. People are going to look at this stat line and um, man, I should have, should have had this pulled up because I, I, I want to give an accurate number here on George Kittle. So three catches, 38 yards, five targets. He still led the team in targets, uh, but he only caught three of them for 38 yards, no touchdowns, you know, a very blah day um, for any tight end, much less, you know, the, the con- a consensus top three guy. But I mean, one thing that I think people are going to miss if you're simply looking at box scores here is that is the weather uh, was a big problem um, for him. It, it was hard to run routes. It was hard to throw the ball. It was hard to catch the ball. Uh, those are, those are all things to keep in mind. Um, it was a, uh, it, it was a game script that didn't require a whole lot of that anyways. 
um, and they they managed to to work around um, throwing the ball a whole lot. So I think that there that there are better days ahead for George Kittle. Um, the it's it's a relatively tough matchup in Week Eight against Carolina, but then after that they get Arizona twice, they get Seattle once, and they get Green Bay once. And those that's their next four games after that week eight matchup with Carolina. And those are all bottom 10, bottom eight defenses against tight ends. It's a dream schedule for George Kittle going forward. So if you can buy him on the fact that he just had such a bad game and such a good matchup and with, you know, remove the context of the weather and the game script, then I, I would absolutely do it. Yeah, I I mean, that's – it's tough. I, I don't know if people, just based off of what he did last year and what he's been doing, uh, it, it's not like he's been struggling all season. I mean, he's had four double-digit fantasy points in, in six games. He had a 20.8, 18.3 fantasy point days before – yesterday so yeah i mean if you want to take it if you if you can take advantage of somebody who does box score watching like that absolutely i agree i just don't know how many people are, you can actually take advantage of uh with that yeah definitely uh so my other guy is emmanuel sanders and uh again this is kind of an anticipatory thing we already know that he's being shopped by the broncos um with the trade deadline approaching and uh i think I think that he's going to land in a much better situation where he's actually needed and where he's actually going to be used. And uh, if you can, if you can buy him as a Denver Bronco, knowing full well that that's not going to be the case a week from now, um, then I, I think that that's another uh, worthwhile move. Yeah. I, I, I actually like this a lot. Um, in fact, uh, I guess there's I, – I don't know if we call it a rumor or a speculation or whatever, but, I mean, we were talked about A.J. Green earlier, um, and there's there's an article out there that said that the Bengals should trade for Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know if that's a good move or not, but you get the idea. I, I definitely think the Broncos need to start trading away pieces. Um, my two here, uh, Devonta Freeman – uh, just got kicked out of a game for throwing a punch against Aaron Donald with his helmet on. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Why are you punching dudes with helmets on? Like it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that for some reason that has not been programmed into our our human evolution. For some reason, the idea that that does not work and stop trying it. Uh, anyway, Ito Smith got injured in this game, and I don't know how bad it was. Uh, they did bring out the cart. Um, so, I mean, at the very least, it's one week. But I think a lot of people are down on Devonta Freeman, even though he has – I mean, he's been a lot better of late Sands this past week. Um He's the RB19 currently, but he had uh, a stretch where he put up uh, 12.5, 18, 18, and 26.8 fantasy points. And then he obviously got kicked out of uh, this other game, I believe, in the first half. So didn't really get a chance to 
um, put up any many fantasy points. But the Falcons' defense is so bad, and the fact that Devonta Freeman is involved in that passing offense gives him plenty of upside as the pass catcher there. And with Ito Smith out, um, we don't really know who's I, – I, I'm guessing it's going to be Brian Hill stepping in. But I would expect that Freeman's uh, workload maybe increases a, a, a small bit here. And people, like I said, are already low on him, but he's been doing fine up till up till now. Plus Matt Ryan missing some time yep. means he lean more on the, the running game and where the there's yep. where there's some definite regression, positive regression due anyways. Um, as uh, and this schedule has certainly been lightening up more more and more for Devonta Freeman. So I mean it, it gets pretty rough after that pie, but all basically all the way until your fantasy championships, but for the next couple weeks at least. Well, but even then though, like the fact that he is involved in the pass game, the fact that he can get those PPR points. Right. Like he hasn't been fantastic running the ball this season, but he hasn't had to be. I mean, it, I guess in terms of fantasy value, because he catches the ball. Yeah, definitely. It's just the fact that the the running game hasn't been, uh, you know, partic- particularly productive to this point. All to me, that's just an indicator for positive regression. That's that's all it is. I I don't see that as an ongoing trend necessarily. So so to your point, yeah, I think that that makes him a buy candidate as well. Um, so you got, you got one more guy for yeah. us. And this, I, I don't know if this is surprising or not, but a lot of people are down on Juju right now and it's driving me crazy uh, of late. I, I believe I saw a poll either after week six or maybe a couple weeks back. I can't remember, but it basically people said they would take the 1.01 over Juju. Oh god. No. And that drives me bananas cuz the kid he's not even 23. He will turn 23 soon, but he's not even 23. He's got top two top 24 performances already. And they're doing this based off of the QB situation this season, which I somewhat understand, but in those first 3 weeks, Juju had double digit fantasy points. In week five, he had tw- he had twenty he had his highest fantasy output of the season with seventy five yards and a touchdown, and that was with Mason Rudolph in a game that Mason Rudolph had to be uh, well he should have been uh, carted off, but he walked off because God knows why. Um, but he's had two bad performances in the last um, in the last three, and. That means this is a super buy low because Mason Rudolph has already said he's going to try and get Juju the ball. They're coming out of a bye week with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback. He should be back. Juju is the wide receiver one here. And yes, you probably can't expect what he did last year with the 1,400 yards and what do you have? Six touchdowns, eight touchdowns. I can't, I, I can't even remember, but you can still expect him to be a wide receiver one. I mean, he's still getting the targets. He in the two bad games that he had, he only had four targets. Everything else, he's had seven or more targets, and he will continue to garner that, and he will still be a focal point in this offense. And it's crazy to me that people want to sell him or that people are so down on him after a bad 
three weeks or a, a, a three week stretch where he had two bad games. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with the quarterback situation, the way it is um, where we, you probably get Mason Rudolph back. Um, we're not totally sure about that, but I mean, I, I could see calling this a lost season and moving on from him in a redraft league. You know, particularly if you're, you know, if you've, if you're struggling to get caught up and you need wins now, although, I mean, he's got a pretty good schedule for the next couple of weeks. I think you got to at least hold him for another week or two. Why? Well, I think you need to hold him beyond that because, I mean, let's be realistic here. If it's redraft, why are you selling, selling anyway? But, well, I, I mean, and, and we talked about it last week on the, uh, on our main episode. Um, but you know, kind of where you're at in the standings can kind of change things a little bit. You know, for instance, if, if you're a contender and you have Juju Smith Schuster and, and you still have made it to, you know, seven and oh, six and one, uh, five and two, something like that, even with the struggles from Juju, I mean, again, these next two games are pretty winnable, but then you've got, you've got some tough matchups coming up with, you know, Pierre Desir and, uh, and Jalen Ramsey and, you know, maybe Denzel Ward is, is back. Patrick Peterson's back. Tredavious White. Like those are the guys still on the, on the schedule. And I'm not saying that, that he's matchup dependent and that that's a reason to absolutely sell him. But, you know, if you're, if you have the luxury of looking ahead and seeing week 15 against Buffalo and, you know, you, you, you know, you can get some some guys who are going to help you down that that stretch and into the fantasy playoffs in return. I can get behind that move. Yeah, but who are you selling for right now? Because people are, like I said, are relatively low on Juju. Who are you selling for right now that would get you more help than Juju can be? And the other, I, the other. Well, no, and that's that's fair. I just think, I mean, Chris Godwin in a redraft league. I, do I don't really, know if do you really be, think people are selling Godwin for Juju. I I think that I I think that that's a possibility. Do you really think that's a possibility, John? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, are you kidding actually, me, John? I, I do. I, okay, here's here's the scenario, and we're going way too long on this, but we knew this was going to come. Here's the scenario. I'm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm six and one and I've got Chris Godwin, you're, you know, three and four and, uh, or no, and no, I'm, I, and I have, yeah, I have, uh, I, I have Chris, no, no I, I have Juju. There we go. I have, I have Juju. I'm six and one and I've got Juju. You're three and four and you've got Chris Godwin. You need to win now. You need to, you need to win you know, your next couple games in order to, to get in. But you look at this schedule, Chris Godwin's at Tennessee at Seattle the next two weeks coming out of the bye. Okay. And then, I mean, you look at his, his fantasy playoff schedule and it's pretty nice, but how are you going to even get to the fantasy playoffs? If you can't win either the next two games, you're going to be in a deep hole at that point. Juju helps you win the next two games. He's got a nice schedule the next two weeks. Chris Godwin does not. It makes sense for both of us to make that move. I don't. I, I don't have very, to win the next week. Vehemently disagree with that. 
For, for, I mean, both are, are slot receivers, correct? But would you – I mean, you really trust Juju right now over Chris Godwin, the way Chris Godwin has been playing? You really think that anybody's, anybody's going to sell you Chris Godwin straight up for Juju Smith-Schuster? I don't know. I'm I'm you, saying I think that it's a that there's a plot you do and know. I just and I just laid it out. Look you at the schedule. Nobody in their in their right mind is making that move. Well, they should. They, they should. They should. You, you are telling me if right you're now, three and you, four, you're not going to make a move no, to help you win the next two weeks. Absolutely not. Okay, and and he struggles the next two weeks. Why now you're you three and six. Because he's got tough matchups. He really doesn't, especially from the slot. <laughs> uh, no, the slot makes it worse. This week, he's got Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan ain't sh- – oh, get, 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 get out of here with that. Logan get Ryan out of here with that. What? Logan Ryan is the best slot receiver in football. Is the slot best slot corner in football? The, no, the best slot corner in not. football. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Okay, now we're doing anecdotal evidence. You are full of – Nonsense. Oh, I just do anecdotal and subjective evidence. <laughs> you haven't come up with anything to 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 actually I'm looking. Would you let me look for a second? Do it then. I'm I'm trying, son. Ryan ranks 36th among quarterbacks in in coverage. Okay, but I'm talking about slot corners. Oh, Chris Harris. Oh, Chris Harris is 12. Chris Harris is not slot corner. Excuse me? He's not the slot corner. Excuse me? Yeah, he's not. Okay. Why was he on Tyreek Hill all game? Because he's their best player. Yeah, that's what Chris Harris does. He shadows the best wide receiver regardless. He can play in the slot. He if you're playing against Keenan Allen, yeah, he's going to line up on Keenan Allen. He's the best slot corner. He's the best – one of the best corners in the game. He is the best slot corner in the game. But he's not a slot corner. He's a he's a shadow now corner. Now we're arguing semantics. No, I mean, we're kind of not. Who is better out of the slot, Chris Harris or Logan Riot? <laughs> but uh, no, no, answer the question. Chris Harris is not a slot no, corner, though. Uh, you know I'm right. Okay. <laughs> you know you no. you just you're just changing the argument. All right, we need I, to move I'm on. Changing the argument. That was the point. You are you're that you're was, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Okay, but you know the difference between a, a slot corner and a cornerback who sometimes goes into the slot. Maybe sometimes goes into the slot. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyways, we need to move on. This has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. The fact, the the point is Chris Godwin. You nobody is in their right mind is selling Chris Godwin for Juju Smith Schuster. Okay, but you don't know that. I don't know that. It's it's it never hurts to ask. No, it, all right. it, I put that up on a poll. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna solid polls. So I yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna let the critical thinking of Twitter. No, nope, uh, can't do anything here because you <laughs> you refuse to do anything about it. <laughs> nobody, nobody in their right mind would do that. 
Put it up on Twitter if it makes you feel better. There's absolutely... I am just telling you, nobody in their right mind is selling Chris Godwin for Juju Smith-Schuster in redraft right now. So just don't even try it. It's just not even worth throwing the offer out there. I mean, go ahead. If you want to get laughed at, I guess. Do you? Okay, Okay. so, so all right, we'll take Chris Godwin out of there. How about Mike Evans? I would... Uh, that's a little bit difficult, more difficult. Mike Evans or Juju, rest of year? <sighs> rest of year? Ooh. I'm probably taking Juju. Okay. So if you have Mike Evans, and it, I, there, I promise you there are people who would take Mike Evans and give you Juju. Okay, I, that's I fine. I promise that one's doable. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that one. Okay. Okay. So my entire problem was I picked the wrong Tampa Bay yeah. wide receiver. Yeah, you did. Sent us, sent us down a stupid rabbit hole. We you need to talk about some stupid rabbit hole. <laughs> what? Whatever, man. It it never hurts to throw that out there. It never yeah. hurts to throw out these proposals. No, it doesn't. But don't I mean, just assume that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for Chris Godwin. It's not going to happen. You don't know that. I do know that. You don't know that. I'm smarter than you, John. Shut up. <laughs> All right, smart guy. Then tell me some of the players that you're going to sell. Um, right. I mean, I think you have it right. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with one of them, but I, I think the one guy that I'm selling right now is Jared Goff. He's, he's definite, especially after the game that he just had, he's – he and that Rams offense is just not the same as it was last season. Um, while he does have five now, 20 plus point uh, fantasy games, he has a 3.9 fantasy point game. He's got a 13.3 fantasy point game. And if you could get, um, and, I, and now I have to look at something, maybe, maybe you can get Kirk cousins for Jared Goff right now. I might be doing that. Because it seems like the Vikings have started to hit their stride in terms of their offense. Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball better. He's throwing the ball more. He's getting those wide receivers involved. He's got three uh, straight 300-yard games. Um, I would probably be take Matthew Stafford over um, Jared Goff right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, – or maybe, maybe you could get uh, Drew Brees – right now for Jared Goff with Drew Brees coming back. So I just, I, I don't trust Jared Goff the rest of the season. I don't trust his Rams offense the rest of the season. I will give you props that um, you, you did call that the Rams were not going to be nearly as good, but uh, if somebody's still high on Jared Goff at this point and you could sell for even Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen's floor is a lot better than Jared Goff's, um, and I hate saying that, but Josh Allen's schedule rest of season is a lot better too. So I'm I'm getting rid of Jared Goff if I can right now. Brutal schedule in the fantasy playoffs, by the way. Well, Seattle's decent, but then Dallas and San Francisco in weeks 15 and 16. That's uh, that's that's pretty tough. So yeah, redraft absolutely selling. Um, Dynasty. If I'm a contender, I would probably try and try and move him as well um yeah. it, you know if i could get something somebody who's going to be a little bit more useful the rest of the season so um, but mean, in a, in a rebuild i'm buying jared goff by the way in a dynasty 
Uh, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's more of a redraft right now. And yeah. like you said, if if you are uh, a contender, and, and I'm going to pose this question to you, would you sell Jared Groff for Drew Brees if you are a contender? Yeah, I think I would. It, I, I hesitate a little bit because Drew Brees does have a pretty rough track record late in the season. Um, that's pretty, you know, historically he's not been as good late in the season. Um, but I mean, there is the angle where, you know, he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been taking hits for the last several weeks, um, since week two. So, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't hit that cliff the way he has in the past. And yeah, the schedule's a lot easier to deal with. Um, yeah, I think I would probably do it. And I think that you might be able to get Drew Brees plus. That's the other upshot. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, I think I agree with, like, I'm buying Jared Goff right now in terms of a rebuild because I still think he's probably a top eight dynasty QB right now. He's just – they're having a rough season. Um, But he's going to stay around for a while, I believe. He did sign an extension, right? Yeah, yeah. My, I'm losing my mind. Yeah, so he's going to be around for a while with McVay. They're going to turn this around. Yep. But he's just having a rough season. So that's why these are buys and sells. I mean, he's a sell in redraft right now. And then if you're a contender, he's a buy if um, for, for in dynasty, especially. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great one to go after if you're kind of going into rebuild mode. Um, he, he'd be a great one to, uh, to help you get younger and start preparing for 2020. Um, Eric Ebron is a guy that I'm going to sell. Uh, and I, I don't know that you're necessarily going to get anything, but I mean, the miraculous touchdown catch is the, just the psychology behind this is that one handed touchdown catch is going to make people think that 2018 Eric Ebron is back. And, you know, that, that we're going to see that positive touchdown regression. And I, I, I just don't, I don't believe that. So, you know, if, if you can sell Eric Ebron on the monster game that he just had here in week seven, um, I would absolutely do it. I don't think that he's a viable starter week in and week out. And then the other guy and this is a little bit of a question mark for me, but Gardner Minshew might be a sell. I think that people are kind of overstating what Gardner Minshew has been able to do. Now they're winning games, kind of. Uh, they're, you know, he's he's he moves the ball, he's effective, but there's a lot there that makes me think there's a chance that Nick Foles comes back. And it, it, I don't think that it's a slam dunk that Gardner Minshew keeps this job. He's completing less than 50% of his passes over the last three weeks. He, there's the, he looks like a rookie. That's, I guess that's kind of the bottom line. He, he still looks like a rookie. He's always looking to tuck and run. Um, that, you know, there's some, there's the interceptions are still there. Some bad reads. Uh, I, I don't, I just don't think that it's, set in stone that Gardner Minshew keeps this job for the entire season. When Nick Foles is eligible to come off of IR, I think that Gardner Minshew starts off with the job, but if he struggles, 
even once, I think that there's a good chance that that you see Nick Foles take over. Now it's a great schedule for whoever whoever's going to be the starting quarterback, um, particularly in the fantasy playoffs when you get Oakland and Atlanta in Week 15 and 16. But there's a chance here that Gardner Minshew, you know, just for foot for actual NFL purposes, is not nearly as effective and nearly as valuable and nearly as secure as you know we think that he is based on his fantasy production. I think I think I can get behind that. My uh, the the hesitation here is that, and I I think that the the Jaguars will be out of it by the time that Foles is eligible to return, that there would be no reason to play Foles for the rest of the season, uh, see what they have in Gardner Minshew, basically use it as a tryout for other teams or for, for the Jaguars or other teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's kind of a gamble right now. Uh, I lean that it's going to be Gardner Minshew for the rest of the season because of what I just said. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, I, I definitely get it. And and if somebody is that high on him just because of like the myth or the legend of Gardner Minshew, then yeah, definitely. I think he he's definitely a sell high. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. One more segment here. Next week, this week, with the idea being pick these guys up now when you can get them cheap or free. And then next week when they become, you know, hot waiver commodities. Um, and uh, high waiver priorities, you already have them stashed on your bench and you just saved yourself a bunch of fab. We've really been pretty accurate with these all year. Um, and uh, we've got a few of them this week that some of some of these might actually be a little bit questionable. And I'm going to start with one. Kareem Hunt is actually more than 50% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Um, there are a lot of people who were actually willing to um, to draft him and then wait on him while he served an eight eight game suspension. So coming off of uh, coming off the bye here in week eight, this is going to be the seventh out of eight games served. Um, so we've got actually two more weeks before Kareem Hunt is eligible to actually return. He's back in practice. Um, but he's not eligible to uh, to return and play until week uh, nine, ten, nine, yeah, ten. I think ten. But, yeah, ten. ten but that's right. Yeah, with that, <clears throat> uh, he did have hernia surgery. I don't know what recovery time is like for that. Uh, he won't be in football shape. I would not be surprised that not that we don't see him for the first couple weeks. He's eligible. Yeah. That's that's fair. Um, so but based on that, so, you know, in a redraft league, somebody drafted him, whether it was just the handcuff to Nick Chubb or just kind of that late season, you know, injection of talent, that late season spark and got tired of waiting and dropped him to waivers. Is is that somebody that you would be willing to to burn a roster spot on based on the fact that I mean, best case scenario, he's back in two weeks. Worst case scenario, like you're saying, it could be another another two weeks on top of that. Yeah, I, that's tough for me. I, Chubb has just looked so good, and he's been playing, I mean, uh, an inordinate amount of snaps. I mean, a, a ton of snaps. Last two weeks, he's had 
84 plus 84 and 86 percent. He had a 97 percent in week three. I just I don't know how Kareem Hunt supplants any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, honestly, I, I think it really depends on what your team looks like. Um, I, I think he has to be rostered if somebody drops him just because of that prospect. But I don't love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's here. This one should be a little bit safer. So we talked earlier about earlier about Devonta Freeman um, and the uh, the you know the buy window for him um, with some positive regression coming in r- the running game plus the continued involvement in the passing game. Now without Ito Smith, Brian Hill kind of steps into that second uh, running back role, I believe. Um, it, it, it looked like he was the one that I believe he's the one that got on the field once Edo Smith went down on Sunday. So, um, Brian Hill could be in for a, you know, a much bigger workload. Uh, I mean, 0% owned right now. And I mean, if Devonta Freeman were to go down, which, you know, that's not necessarily something that we're trying to predict here, but, um, Brian Hill being second in line to take over that running back job that is particularly effective in the passing game, um, heavily used in the, in the passing game. Uh, Brian Hill for me is also a next week this week. And then finally drew Locke, And I hate this one. You know, I hate this one. I love but, it, <laughs> but I mean, he's, he, I believe he's due back. So he's, he's eligible to return. Um, and they have 21 days, I believe, to activate him. Um, and from the from the thumb injury on the throwing hand, I th- I, I think that you're probably going to see them activate Drew Locke. And once that happens, I mean, it's just a matter of time before he gets on the field. At this point, there's absolutely no reason to continue to throw Joe Flacco out there every single week. You know, in a, in a lost season where the offensive line can't block, the half of the pass catchers can't catch, and Joe Flacco has absolutely no interest in even continuing his career at this point. Uh, I, I mean, why not oblige him? Get Drew Locke out there, see what you've got, and then we can find out just how bad this uh, this experiment is going to fail. But um, in the meantime, I mean, you're going to get uh, another, you know, super flex worthy quarterback coming off of IR here in the next week or two. Yeah, I I love it. I love it anytime you're miserable. So, yeah, and uh, that's definitely going to be the case. So, um, so enjoy it. Christmas come early for you. So, uh, give us a uh, give us a another next week this week guy and uh and then we can get out of here uh yeah i mean it's it's ryan finley uh andy dalton has been andy dalton i guess he's been andy dalton-esque uh thus far this season he's middle of the road um he's just not a good he's not good he's just mediocre at best and i think we we basically call it the Andy Dalton line at this point. He is the QB 15 right now. He is so middle of the road. Like we call it the Andy Dalton line to 
um, to basically gauge whether a quarterback is good or not. Um, but he's just – he has good fantasy stats, but he is just not a good NFL quarterback. And, and the best example is last week he had 20 – or this week he had 27.1 fantasy points, but he had three interceptions. And the only reason that he got 27.1 fantasy points is he had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. And at some point, the Bengals will have to evaluate what they have in Ryan Finley, especially coming up uh, into that draft class, which has a decent QB uh, class. And they could be competing for the number one overall pick. And I don't think you – I mean, I, I don't know why a team with a questionable – QB situation like Miami or like Cincinnati would not pick Tua, um, regardless of who they have, regardless of Rosen or Finley. But at some point, I think that the Bengals have to see what they have in Ryan Finley. And they are 0-7, so it's got to be coming soon because Andy Dalton definitely is not the answer there. And at some, like I said, at some point, he, I think Finley will be the starter for several games to end the season. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it, it's getting a little frustrating. I mean, now we're going to start talking about Mitchell Trubisky being a bench candidate as well. Like it's, it's getting a little frustrating that these quarterbacks are so unreliable and that it, you run into a situation where you have to see what you've got with this, you know, this third round rookie. You, you still have to see what you, I, I think Finley, was he even third round? He might've even been later than that. I'm pretty sure he was fourth. Fourth, yeah. So I mean, it's it's not like a first round pick that you've you absolutely have to see what you've got. But at this point, there's absolutely. I mean, you might as well. It can't be any worse than what you're getting from Andy Dalton. So, yeah, as 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 annoying as this is, the musical chairs at the quarterback position. I think that uh, this is a reasonable one. One other guy that I I added to the list super late, and this is. But again, not trying to predict injuries, but Leonard Fournette is getting a ton of work and Ryquel Armstead stands to take on that exact same workload if Fournette were to get injured. So um, just a, just one more guy to add to next week, this week, just based on the opportunity that would exist if that were to happen. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, uh... He, I mean, Fournette's probably having the best season of his short, I mean, short career right now. Totally. Like and it's are, all based on staying healthy. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you and I both had concerns about him staying healthy. He's been healthy thus far, but I still think that he is, and uh, he's, he has a higher chance to get injured than uh, most running backs. So it's, Especially in those situations, those bell cow situations, those high volume situations, you want those those handcuffs that could step in and into a big role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that uh, that should do it for the SOPs. So uh, we can wrap it up there uh, for at FF Stompy. I'm at Superflex Dude on Twitter. Don't forget to check out the the live show on Wednesday evening and uh, send us your questions and your trade polls. You can also just join that live chat and post your questions in there. 
um we'll uh we we either way we just uh love to involve our super friends in the discussion and that's why we've been doing the live show throughout this regular season so far and we'll continue um as uh as as long as it makes sense essentially so keep your questions coming keep your trade polls coming um whoever ends up being on that show would be happy to analyze them answer your questions and just have a super flex conversation with all of our super friends but with that we can wrap this up for the week those are your super flex sops now go execute